Hey, welcome to Native Roots Radio presents a COVID-19 conversation in Indian country. And we have our co-host, uh, Dr. Stately, and our producer, Haley Cherry here. And we're going to be uh, discussing, you know, how far we've come and where we're at and all these things that, uh, I don't know, Dr. Stately, welcome. And uh, Haley, do you mind reading uh, Dr. Stately's uh, bio? And it, it's just great to have you on and have this conversation of reminder of how far we've come and how far we got to go and uh and we're kind of where we're at now yes we're here with dr anthony stately uh, ojibwe in oneida he is the executive officer and president of native american community clinic or nac uh, dr stately received his phd in clinical psychology from california school of professional psychology at alliance international university in 1997 um Doc, uh, Native American Community Clinic provides primary co- primary care, dental care, behavioral health services to the Twin Cities Native American community. And he formerly worked as the director of behavioral health programs at the Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux community in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Previously, he was a research scientist and director of the Center for Translational Research at the Indigenous Wellness Research Institute at the University of Washington, Seattle. Uh, he's also Director of Client Services at AIDS Project Los Angeles and the founding and inaugural program director for Seven Generations Child and Family Counseling Services in Los Angeles. He's also taught in clinical graduate programs at UW School of Social Work, Antioch University in Seattle, Phillips Graduate Institute, CSPP, Alliant University in Los Angeles, and Leola Mount University. He's also served as a consultant advisor to the CDC, HRSA, and the Native American AIDS Prevention Center. Um, Welcome, Dr. Stately. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here again with you today in this COVID-19 conversation. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you as well. You know, Dr. Stately, uh, yes, uh, thanks for being with us. You know, I think these conversations we're having and we're going to have later on, too, with uh, uh, our friend Heather, the pharmacist, uh, is really important reminder. And, you know, I think there's a lot of amnesia out there and, and people in denial and things like that. So I think it's really great to uh, talk about kind of where we're at right now, which is... Uh, we're kind of, you know, sheltering in again and, uh, you know, and vaccines and things like that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about where we're, where we're at. Sure, for sure. Well, um, so just to kind of center the conversation, we're, we're specifically in the state of Minnesota. And when you look at the state of Minnesota data, you can see that like the COVID vaccine, I mean, the COVID crisis, um, you know, which people... I think you talked about amnesia. Like, I think people forget that like, we're still in the pandemic, mm-hmm. that the virus is still out there. It's circulating. The particular virus um, variant that we have now is fairly, you know, um, highly transmissible. So, um, you know, I remember, I think <clears throat> in earlier conversations I've had with you, like, I know people who went to like an open air event, like the powwow, and they might have gone to concerts and they were like you know, outside with large groups of people um, sharing space, maybe not sitting right next to each other, but they're in sort of social space, but it was outside. And part of it was that they ended up getting um, sick with COVID and kind of surprised by that, um, those those individuals. And part of it is, is like the, just the nature, but I think there's a confluence of things happening. One is, is that it's a smart virus, it, trans, it mutates, 
and transmits um, uh, and it be it's becoming more stealthy it's easily the the virus we have that we're living with today um, and the mutation I think we're, I can't even remember what number of mutation we're on we're, we got it it's had to have mutated like 10 or 15 times by now over the last three years Wow that particular variant um, uh, the CDC um, sort of like it's been saying is like very stealthy it is easily transmissible so it means it's easily acquired you're more likely to get to get the to get to catch the virus and to get um, develop symptoms if you don't have a vaccine even if you do have a vaccine you might get the you might still get the virus but your symptoms will be a little what we call attenuated or less um, you know, um, uh, uh, severe, which is a helpful thing to know. But I think part of that is, is like, we are, we have gotten, we're three years into this, starting our fourth year. So like, you know, remember vaccines rolled out in December of 2020. So wow. here we are, it's December, 2023, three years ago, we were vaccinating people. You know, we had just lived through an entire year of, almost an entire year of people dying from COVID, mm -hmm. you know, hospitals filling up and just, just kind of like, you know, let's, let's do some like level setting here. You know, mm -hmm. people were, you know, there were plate plate, there were large communities and cities where people were filling up um, morgues and hospital rooms and like people were in, you know, coolers. We had, we had, we had bodies in coolers yeah. and, you know, you know, it's like, there was just like the, we're nowhere near like, we're nowhere near that anymore. Like, and that's been the direct benefit of having a vaccine and the scale of response that we were able to launch. But what we have to recognize is that, you know, for a large segment of the population, older people, people who are very, very young, who haven't yet developed their full immune system, people who are older, who have specific health conditions, are much more likely to be quite vulnerable still to this virus that is circulating and changing all of the time. And um, a vaccine will help significantly. And even with that, we are, we are likely to still have some mortality and some severe conditions, people with, because the, the efficaciousness of the, the vaccine, even while it's very, very effective, it's not a hundred percent effective mm -hmm. and there isn't in medicine. There just isn't anything that is a hundred percent effective for everyone, everyone on the planet. That's an important thing to understand. So thinking through like having conversations about like, what, what can I do now to protect myself, protect the people that I live with, the people that I love, the people I work with and socialize with, like, what can I do to sort of like prevent myself and the people that are meaningful to me in my life? um uh, to 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 make them the most safest that i possibly can mm. and if you are able to do that stretch it a little bit further and you know practice being a good relative and keep everyone safe because the pandemic has taught us one thing if not anything it's taught us that our well-being is connected to each other as human beings we are relatives on this planet taking care of each other is the one thing we were given instructions to do it by creator when we're sent here yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, uh, maybe we'll wait until we talk to the pharmacist, but I was curious, do people think 
that if they got the first, uh, you know, shots or first couple shots a few years ago, that they're good right now. And then really, where is that? Do, do these vaccines wear off or is it just a specific variants that we're, we're dealing with when we get another vaccine? And then it's a couple of things. One is that both of those things are probably operative. So like, it's, there's a reason you get a flu shot every year or yeah. if, should you like be a, like, you know, I, I get a flu shot every single year. I get a pneumonia. I get a pneumonia shot vaccine. I think every two years, two or three. I can't remember the schedule. Anyway, my primary doctor will tell me like, "Hey, you're ready for your, you know, you know, you, you're you're updated um, uh, pneumonia shot and those kinds of things." I get like my tetanus shot every eight years because I don't want to get tetanus. That's a pretty horrible thing to get if you don't. Right. You know, it just takes one, you know, rusty nail to really change your day. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. Right. Um, and so I think like, that that's the nature of it. Like our immune systems aren't like, you know, we're, we're not one. Well, I was going to say we're not computers. There's a lot of sort of like similarities to like the way that computers are structured and the way that our bodies are structured. But we're not like once you introduce something in there, it stays in there forever. and You're always going to have it. Some things are true. Like an example, I I acquired HIV in 1991. I'll have that virus for the rest of my life, but I'm managing it really well. Mm -hmm. I haven't had any long-term effects lately. I've been managing with medication for a really long time. I'm what's called undetectable, meaning they can't really see any significant demonstrable trace of virus in my blood. Mm -hmm. um, when I go in, um, my T cells are great, meaning my immune system is functioning fairly well. Um, it was interesting to me, like an as an example, I did get sick recently. I think like the beginning of October, and I had I had had a I had had a doctor visit, like the day before I got sick. I got my COVID vaccine and my flu vaccine on that day. It was a Thursday. Friday morning, I woke up. I was really not feeling well, kind of feeling off a little bit. Hmm. Left left work and got home. And by noon, I was like laying in bed and I slept for about 12 hours. Tested negative that day for COVID. And the next day, I was positive for COVID. And that was the worst day. Hmm. But part of that, when I went back to talk to my doctor, because they called me and they were like, hey, your test results are saying that it, uh, this and this. And, like, and your, your T cells were fairly highly elevated that day. And if you had a few other elevations that day. And one way of explaining that was like what they were seeing probably in my serological or my blood work on thursday the day before i got sick is the fact that i had acquired the virus and i was mounting my response right so a lot of yeah. biological activity on in my blood in that day so we are designed as human beings to like you know, respond with, we have really healthy immune systems and we have all things are, you know, working fine. Our immune system has this experience where we're exposed to something and it, it launches a response. So even before you actually know you're sick, even mm -hmm. before you start to feel something, your body is starting to sort of respond. Like, like on Thursday, I was fine, but my blood work showed like something's wow. going on. Your, these levels were kind of rising in a couple of different places. Crazy. Well, and then too, I, I think kind of an example too, my experience, uh, 
you were stopping by to drop something off. I had just gone to a meeting and then went out for breakfast and was kind of feeling like uh, Grandma Nissen would say a little punk. And uh, you came by and uh, basically uh, asked Wendy and I if uh, I had taken a COVID test. And we were both like uh, unbelievably dumbfounded because we talk a lot about this on our radio show. And, uh, and I do say unbelievably, and, you know, we looked at each other and it's like, oh, we got some tests here. Let's take a test. And I'm like totally in denial because I've not gotten COVID in these four years. And I've been out in the community per se, you know, pretty much, you know, especially after getting vaccinated. And, um, I showed up, I had COVID. And then I had to uh, text Mr. Uh, Dr. Stately and say, I have COVID. And he said, uh, I told you. And also that whole process. And, you know, Dr. Stately, too, I was in a little denial because like a couple hours later. So let's take the test again. <laughs> uh, really. But that was a, a thing that I personally haven't had a cold in probably 10, 15 years. And I worked mm -hmm. with students. So I thought. I was invincible, I guess. And I think Wendy did too, because uh, I haven't had a cold in many, many, many years. And that's what it felt like is a cold was coming on. And then the next day was the roughest day. I didn't really get out of bed. And then I took that drug that you, uh, you uh, recommended and I bounced back to 90% the next day. So I had, because of my vaccine and because of other, other things, uh, I had a, a really short COVID kind of uh, a thing happening. And then we'll, we can talk a little bit more what happened after uh, I stopped taking that, that drug that really brought me to 90% and felt better. And I was still working. I didn't go anywhere because you're supposed to stay in, what, five days and then mask for five days, uh, yep. those things. And uh and Wendy was on it. She had the calendar out and how we counted because we, <laughs> those days blend in and, and I'm glad she did because, uh, you have to keep track of that stuff because you don't want to give it to somebody, anybody. Yeah, no, it's, you did all the right things for sure. Really a medical provider, I think. <laughs> in your specific condition it did um but i think generally speaking i think what you're talking about here is like sort of like you know we're four years into this mm -hmm. starting our fourth year um we've had a lot of time to sort of live with it we've come a little become a little acclimated to it maybe if like you know you've gone several months years not actually had covid you're like you know by the way, congratulations on being a Novid for four years. That's pretty remarkable. I don't know a lot of people that had that. Yeah. Um, and I think that part of it is, is like, you know, we just got, we just got a little bit, um, you know, um, acclimated to it. We got a little yeah. bit sort of like, you know, comfortable. We let our guard down a little bit. And mm -hmm. the nature of that specific condition is that it's very stealthy. It's always kind of like um, mutating and it's kind of around the corner, right? you know, lurking in places. So I don't want to make people fearful, but I would do this, say that I would like tell people like start paying attention to it, like, pay, pay mm -hmm. a little bit closer attention to it. We are, I know it's hard to believe because it's really warm out. It's like 40, it was, well, yesterday it was 44 degrees out on right. December 16th, which is really odd. Mm -hmm. But um, 
you know, it's colder now, so we're less, we're not outside as much. We're indoors. We're having, you know, it is when, you know, the winter holidays are happening. People are doing, you know, they're exchanging gifts. They're spending time together, right. celebrating, spending time together, doing all kinds of things, sharing food, sharing. And well, the other things that they're sharing is the viruses that live in their body <laughs> and in the, in the air. And so part of it is recognizing, like, we have a whole four year, years of lived experience on how to sort of manage it and manage it well. We just got a little bit relaxed. We got mm -hmm. a little bit, um, you know, you know, it's, you know, not amnesia, but like the back of our mind because we have other priorities we prioritize now. So part of it is just sort of like pivoting and refocusing and saying, oh, we have to remember that this thing is still here and, uh, and then mobilize some of the things that we've done over the last three or four years and we've learned to do. We have to remobilize those things. You know? Well. And that's what's great about our conversation today. And then we're going to bring on a, a pharmacist a little later and talk about, you know, the safety and the, the history of uh, uh, of uh, these vaccines and um, debunk a few things for sure that might still be around. But, you know, I just have to use my own personal thing, Dr. Stately. And that's like we talk about it. We have a national radio show where we talk about it. And that was not in my jam until you came over and, and jokingly or not jokingly said, have you taken a COVID test? Yeah, no, I wasn't joking on that day. I just, you were like, when I asked you about it, you were telling me like your symptoms. And I was like, that's exactly how I was feeling in a lot of ways. So I was just like, I was just like a recommendation, take a test, just do yeah. yourself a favor and take a test. And so I was actually surprised that you had it too, but like, you know, um, it's good to know. Well, I think well, like holding conversations around COVID-19 is so important, specifically in our native communities, um, just to share these facts and the statistics and the research. So we know that um, back in 2020, we know the uh, ethnic group, us as Native Americans or urban Indians, you know, whether even, you know, reservations all across the state of Minnesota, especially in our northern area, we were leading um, the numbers of people testing positive for COVID and Looking here um, on the state, so this is stats.web.health.state.minnesota.us. Um, this shows case by case rate by race and ethnicity here, um, updated within the last seven days. And this is showing um, the graph from the beginning of the year. So the beginning of January 2023, we're wrapping up, we're December 2023 now. Um, and currently, our rates right now are skyrocketing. Um, through the month of November, it looks like we've had a peak and we're actually, we're so high uh, compared to the other uh, races in the state that we're, we're, peaking, we're peaking off the chart right now, which is very concerning. So COVID is still a real thing and it's, it's very active um, specifically right now in our, in our native communities. Yeah. In the state of Minnesota, we lead the case rate still with active, um, active, um, COVID infections, hospitalizations, and un sadly, we also lead the um, cases and the number of deaths. Yeah. Um, that has a lot to do with like, I think there's a, there's a lot of variables that are related to that. One is, is like, there's just not a really strong healthcare system in rural areas where there's tribes, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's also, we have a couple of other things like, you know, people might have not gotten their regular healthcare over the last two or three years because they've been 
focused on other things. Right. Um, you know, they've been trying to like, you know, keep their houses and keep their homes. They've been trying to find you know, ways to feed their families. You know, people have lost jobs, specifically in poor communities, which impact you know, Black and Indigenous communities more greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are real things, and then that ha- impacts like whether or not you're going to go and get healthcare, whether or not you're going to pay attention to things. Like you know, we all have a hierarchy of sort of like the things that we think are the most important versus the less important. And so if like COVID has been absent from your from your mind for a while because we we're exhausted by it we're exhausted from the experience we've gotten a little bit relaxed because we had vaccines we've had a few mm-hmm. other things so we think you know it doesn't help like you have leadership around the world saying that the, the pandemic is over that's not helpful right. um you know and so there's a number of con- things that probably are contributing to that. And, um, you know, you had some people probably, you know, a thousand, a uh, hundred thousand people lost Medicaid after the emergency order was suspended yeah. and people had to get redetermined and re- re-enrolled in Medicaid um, in some states. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I we were at a, uh, a, a event together. And again, it's great that we're talking about this, Haley and Dr. Stately. Uh, it ended up being uh, uh, like a COVID spreader, and I was in shock. We were at uh, uh, the ID, 50th floor of the IDS building and in kind of a, a cramped up area with a lot of people. And me, I'm just running around hugging people and shaking hands and not really thinking about it. And then uh, we see on Facebook, a lot of our relatives uh, came down with COVID at that night. And it was like, again, that was kind of a wake up call, but not enough for me to um, to have it in the forefront. So really, Haley and Dr. Stately, this is like really important that we're we're talking about this again. Mm-hmm. And especially if you are going into public groups with a lot of people, um, it's so important to test and test for COVID. So some tips for doing specifically some COVID-19 self um, at home tests, you know, follow the manufacturer instructions, you know, you want to get an accurate result, the most accurate result that you can get. Um, So if you have symptoms of COVID-19 and you get a negative test result from your, your home test, you should repeat that test, um, whether that's right away or definitely within the next 48 hours to confirm that. Um, as accurately as you can. If you if you do do not have symptoms of COVID-19, but we're in close contact with someone with COVID-19 and you get a negative result, you should also repeat the test two more times. Um, specifically, they they, rec- they recommend 48 hours apart each time to con- to confirm the negative result. Yeah, it's uh, Haley and uh, Dr. Saley. It's it's uh, uh, an important conversation we're having here. We're gonna uh, later on the show have uh, our friend Heather, who's uh, again uh, a pharmacist that uh, does a lot of the vaccines and knows about the vaccines, and we can talk about the the safety and debunk a lot of things. And I think it's important. This is just such an important conversation we're having. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that it is probably, you know, really critical at this point in time for us to be encouraging people in our community to do as much as they possibly can to have their relatives vaccinated. If they haven't had a vaccine since 
2022, like, you know, maybe people felt like, oh, I already had those vaccine series. It's like the newer vaccine now, the one that just was sort of like released over the last few months has um, some, uh, has been, um, you know, re, um, re, uh, um, has some new information about like, that is able to sort of respond to some of the new variants will make it a little bit more effective. But we were talking, remember earlier about how important it is to sort of like, you know, vaccines don't mean you can get a vaccine now and it won't necessarily protect you for the next three or four or five years. It depends on what vaccine we're talking about specifically. Like for instance, you know, there are vaccines you can take um, that will protect you for several years. Those are things like, you know, um, like, you know, tetanus. You don't have to take that every, every year. You take it every four or five years or something like that. <clears throat> this is a particularly smart virus that transmutes and changes over time. You probably are, we're like, it is likely, and we can talk with the pharmacist about this, but it is likely that we are in the day and age where we're going to have to like treat the COVID like, like we treat the flu and like we treat some of the other sort of like seasonal um, things that visit us like RSV and a few other things. We'll have to take a vaccine every year annually for it. Um, and really important for people who are, critically um more vulnerable older people people with immune deficiencies and young young, really really young people yeah that's what are some of the the symptoms that we're seeing uh present in people who are testing positive with covid recently i think a lot of people i my experience i think also robert's experience and some of the people i've talked to recently who have been sick some of my own family members it all sort of feels a little bit like a cold and it sort of kind of, then it feels like a cold and it feels like the flu. And you have a real broad range of symptoms around you. Sometimes some people are like, oh, my throat hurts first. And it's like, with every single member of my family that got sick recently, it was all like, oh, I feel a tickle in my throat. Mm. Um, and then and they wake up the next day and they can barely talk or barely swallow. So then I think it's like, you know, something more like, you know, strep and those kinds of things. And then they end up feeling like the flu. And so it's, I think you're generally, you're, you know, it, it feels a lot like your common, your more common ailments. And that's why people are not paying attention to it. They're like, oh, I just have like a common cold or, oh, right. I just, you know, I have an upset stomach from something I might've eaten or something like that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that it's feeling more like those common symptoms. So people are overlooking it a lot. And I think what I, would be good advice is if you're feeling some type of symptom in that category of cold flu and stomach flu type things is like, take a test. It's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt you to take the test, but it certainly is gonna help protect you and your other, in your, in your family. Exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, d- great question, Haley. I think, uh, we'll have some more to ask our friend, uh, the pharmacist here, uh, pharmacist here, up on the next uh, next segment here, and uh, we are talking about uh, we're having a conversation about COVID nineteen here uh, here in Indian country, and we're with host uh, co host Dr. Stately and producer Haley Cherry, and we're going to talk to Heather, who's uh, our native pharmacist here in the Twin Cities, and and try and uh, talk about the myths and debunk a few, and talk about. Uh, how things really work. So we're really excited. Please hold on, uh, hang with us, and we'll, we'll be talking more and more about this uh, 
You're listening to Native Ritz Radio, a COVID-19 conversation in Indian country. Hey, welcome back to Native Ritz Radio presents a COVID-19 conversation in Indian country. And uh, I'm here with, again, with our co-host, Dr. Stately of Native American Community Clinic here in the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis. And uh, we have a special guest right now, Haley, and I'm wondering if uh, we could read off this groovy uh, bio for Heather. Yes, Heather Miracle Fahey, PharmD class of 2009, is a board-certified clinical pharmacist with M Health Fairview. Heather serves as a preceptor and mentor with a special interest in supporting Indigenous students and students of color. She is currently involved in collaborative efforts with the School of Medicine, Nursing, Dentistry, and Vet Medicine to create space and support for all Indigenous health professional students. Heather serves as several system-wide diversity equity and inclusion initiatives, including developing M Health Fairview's first land acknowledgement, building relationships with the local Native community, and creating cultural awareness with her department and across Fairview Pharmacy Services. Additionally, Heather is the acting secretary on the board of directors for Indian Health Boards Clinic in Minneapolis. Heather is Mohawk Territory in Southern Ontario, and she is the first pharmacist in her family. Wow. Hey, Dr. Stately, we got Heather here and maybe we can talk a little bit, Dr. Stately, about the myths and and debunking this with uh, Heather. Uh, What do you say? Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Hey, welcome, Welcome, Heather. Heather. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, Dr. Stately, we we uh, and Heather, we we have still issues we talked about earlier today uh, about how uh, you know, we're kind of falling behind again and we're, uh, as Native Americans, we're falling behind on the vaccines and we're getting sick at a higher rate. Um, let's talk, uh, Heather, a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, the myths here and what's, what's true and what's not true. And I know I'm all vaxxed up and we talked in the earlier segment about me having COVID and how less severe it was because I was vaxxed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like with most vaccines, um, <clears throat> it's something that we're recommending. Um, 
I also am vaccinated. My family's all vaccinated. Um, and like we, like we see with other vaccines, yes, you can still get COVID if you've had the vaccines, but the ultimate goal is we want to keep people um, from getting really severe COVID, um, being in the hospital, or if possible, you know, reducing the risk of death from COVID. Absolutely. And I know there's a lot of myths out there. And I'm wondering, Haley, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about those and get uh, a response from Heather and Dr. Stately about, you know, what they're hearing in the community and how how we deal with our, our community members in uh, debunking these myths. Absolutely. So this is something that we were looking at at Mayo Clinic. Um, we know a lot of um, people, especially in Native communities, may have... Um, you know, when it comes to trusting uh, certain medical professionals, um, especially people that aren't within our communities itself, um, we have a hard time trusting, you know, maybe some facts or some misinformation. But this is coming straight from the Mayo Clinic. So here's what the science says about COVID-19 vaccine myths. COVID-19 vaccines don't cause you to become sick with COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccines authorized for us in the United States don't contain the live virus that causes COVID-19. Some people may have side effects from the vaccine, such as a fever or muscle pain, but these symptoms usually go away in a few days. Did either of you experience those when you had your first round of, of vaccines? Yeah, I, I mean, I had some muscle pain. Um, my arm hurt, but that's very, very typical with any type of vaccine. And it's more probably related to just having been jabbed in the arm than uh, anything else. Right. And... There's also um, a common myth with uh, vaccinations and, and fertility. So coming from the Mayo Clinic, again, there is currently no evidence that any COVID-19 vaccine causes fertility problems. COVID-19 vaccination is re recommended for people who are trying to become pregnant or might become pregnant in the future. That's a big one, Dr. Stately, I know, and especially in the first round. Yeah, I think that was a big concern for many people. And especially, I think especially early on, like we didn't have any real um, uh, like scientific evidence yet about like um, whether or not that was going to be a challenge. Uh, I want to kind of remind everybody that, you know, <clears throat> remember, remind everybody of the process about which we were able to get the vaccine. You know, we were, we were able to sort of develop, you know, we like science, so science, Science was able to scientists were able to develop the vaccine fairly rapidly. I mean, that's a her, that's a Herculean effort. They did it within I think nine months, nine ten months. Um, this was also a global wide pandemic, which impacted practically every single nation on the on, on the planet. And so the the scale at which we moved to develop that vaccine was fairly rapid. And I know that that concerned people. It also is important to note that the basis by which they built the vaccine had been built on science that had been in process for 20, 30 years. So it wasn't like we came up with the vaccine in nine months. There had been a foundation of science built on um, mRNA um, and other sort of bio, biological metrics that are, were used to build the, the framework for doing the, doing the vaccine. So <clears throat> it was a pretty safe vaccine, I think, from the very start. But what we didn't have time to do is these very robust clinical trials that we test the vaccine in human subjects in, with every single condition, there just wasn't the time to do that. So some of that had to be done sort of boots on the ground. There was studies that were done over the last couple of years that have looked at um, 
women who were pregnant who um, or who were not yet pregnant, but who were of childbirthing years. And I don't think there's any scientific evidence that has emerged mm -hmm. that has demonstrated that the, that the vaccine has prevented people from being able to give birth or get pregnant. There's just no science, solid science in that area. Yeah, yeah. it's it's great to remember, Heather, what Dr. Stately said there is that uh, they had been working on uh, this is part of a different vaccine, and that's why it came up so quick. Yeah, you know, and uh, where we're coming from, where we're at, and where we are now, we're easy. It's easily forgotten uh, about um, things that we went through like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think we have to remember too. So I I agree with everything that Dr. Stately said. You know, this technology was not new as of you know March 2020. Um, it's just that with such a dire need uh, for vaccine, it really propelled the growth of that area. Um, and the other thing is, you know, whether it's a vaccine or a new medication, you know, we don't do studies in pregnant women for ethical reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so of course, to begin with, there's not going to be that information. Um but kind of in those observational, like we can look back now and say, mm -hmm. okay, we had pregnant women who received the vaccine. We have women of ch um, childbearing age who've had the vaccine. And observationally, we're seeing that there is, you know, no link to any fertility issues. Well, that's really good to know. Um, for a lot of people, there's um, a lot of people in our community. Um, also, so I know another concern with the vaccines was uh, what was in the vaccines. Um, and here's one. So microchips. So COVID-19 vaccines won't yeah. track your location or movements. COVID-19 vaccines were developed to help the body develop immunity to the virus that causes COVID-19. Also, COVID-19 vaccines don't contain preservatives, antibiotics, metals, or absor absorbed fetal tissues or cells. Oh my gosh! I I have a, a special um, um, <laughs> affinity for that particular vaccine or myth about the vaccine because I think what's really important is that we let people know like you are less likely you are more likely to be tracked by your phone by your iWatch by your car if it's been like you know manufactured since two thousand and I don't know ten when they started putting computer chips in them you're more likely to be tracked by your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> your dog, a few other things that are going to track you um, and not necessarily the vaccine. So it's kind of just, it's just, it's comical. I think it has to do with like, you know, <clears throat> I think sometimes these are, of course, these are common things. And I know people are really concerned about them, but it's like, you know, we, and I, and I, and I say this, I say this with all, love and respect for my cousin Roxanne who was like an anti-vaxxer like I worked on her for like a year yeah. to get her to get the vaccine and she would just would not do it there were lots of reasons why she had concerns about doing it she was living with HIV she had long-term other chronic health issues she was very scared of uh, of getting sick um and, or having um some other type of reaction that maybe make would make her um um, get very very ill or or, or 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 die, and I think that the oops we lost we lost Doctor Stately there. Um, 
Heather, uh, your feelings on that too. Uh, it's, it's comical, but it's, it's for real. People, uh, do, uh, think these things and how do we debunk them with a straight face? I think that's a difficult question. I, um, as far as keeping a straight face, like, I just don't even know like how that would be possible. I mean, these are intramuscular, like tiny bits of fluid. So I'm not even like, I don't even know how scientifically you would get a microchip through that teeny tiny intramuscular needle. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. It it is. I mean, I would like to think like how, you know, like what would the size of that microchip have to be? And whose little tiny, tiny, tiny fingers would put that thing together? Right. (laughs) I can barely barely see the computer screen. That's really small. Yeah. You know, the the thing that sometimes I have like some, I I mean, I, I... I'm related to many of the people that we talk about, like in this, these kinds of contexts, I have some relatives in this area. And so they say things like, you know, Oh, I'm so frustrated having conversations with them sometimes, but I like, I like try to be calm and I try to be reasonable and supportive and, you know, good thing. You know, I'm trained as a psychologist because I can be like compassionate in that way. <laughs> and then I say things to them like, listen, I want you to understand some really basic things. There are things that are much more likely to like take control of your life, track you, steal your identity, create a carbon copy of you. Like, I mean, like, why are you not afraid of AI? You use chat GPT all of the time. Like you're giving that thing your thoughts and your ideas. And, you know, I hope you're not putting ceremonies and are, you know, the, your recipe for fire bread in there because like, you know, everybody's going to have it. Um, exactly. So, so I just try to help help people that you know calibrate their sort of their fears and direct them in like the most appropriate way. And then I also talk about I think it's more important to talk about the or to pay attention to the things, the conditions. There are some real conditions that like make you a little bit more vulnerable when you take the vaccine. Um I don't think the vaccine is directly responsible for anybody's mortality and death like I don't there's just no hard science from my perspective and that I've seen and published anywhere that would suggest that the vaccine actually caused somebody to die yeah which is I think is most people's fear most people are afraid of that I think I would imagine and Heather uh what have you come across too because I I you know it's hard uh again, to keep a straight face, but these people are serious. And how do we talk them off the, off the the cliff or out of the window or off the wall? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, um, it's new, uh, new quote unquote. Um, and so there's always going to be some fear with that. Um, and, and also I, I guess, you know, as a pharmacist, I kind of think about it like, anything that you're putting in your body is going to have the risk of some type of side effect. So whether it's a vaccine, whether it's a medication, whether it's food, right? Like not all foods agree with all people. Um, And so, yes, there, there's always going to be risk of some side effects and there's always going to be some people who are 
you know, more prone to the side effects for, for any number of reasons. Um, and, and so, yeah, like that's a, that's a legitimate fear. Um, but I, I think it's like, like I said, you know, when we're looking and like Dr. Stately said too, when we're looking at what the studies are showing and what the evidence is showing, you know, from a multitude of sources, this isn't all drug company funded uh, research. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all sorts of different organizations doing research to ensure the safety and the efficacy of the vaccines. Um, And what we are seeing so far is that the the benefits of being vaccinated far outweigh the risks. So yes, you may have a reaction. You may not feel good for a couple of days. The vaccine itself is not going to cause COVID. Um, you are not going to get COVID from the vaccine. And by and large, people who receive the vaccine are protected, um, are staying out of the hospital, and most likely when we do see, you know, right, people die for all sorts of reasons and there isn't a direct correlation or a direct link to death from taking the vaccine. Jeez, I think you you guys, Dr. Stately and Heather, I, I think I remember hearing that whole uh, thing about getting the flu shot too was like, oh, it gives you the flu. I don't know where that started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't, again, right? Like you don't feel good necessarily after you get it. Um, and and I've definitely had the experience too, uh, particularly after getting the live vaccine, the nasal spray of like having muscle aches and just really feeling crummy for a day or two. Well, it's usually a day, like one day. Um, but that is, that is actually, you know, your body, you're introducing, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little bit of, of the virus, um, not enough where it's going to cause the virus itself, but it's just you're introducing into your body so that your body is familiar with it. And so that that's literally your body is starting to work because it's recognizing this kind of foreign um, virus and it's, it's working to begin your immune response. Um, and I, I guess I think about it too, like you always kind of hear about, or you've seen like in movies, you know, like somebody's <laughs> immune to poison because they took, because they, they acclimated their body to it, right? They took just tiny little bits of it. So then their body got used to it. It's the same, it's the same idea, right? You're, you're introducing it. So it's not completely a new thing to your body. So that when you actually come in contact with the actual virus, your body already knows what to do. It's like, oh, I've seen this before. I'm ready for it. I know how to fight it. Well, really good analogy. And Dr. Stately, I'm a kind of a delicate flower. So when I had my shots, because I had two shots at once, I wasn't sure it was just like, I'm old and tired. That's kind of the effect I had. And then I (laughs) I was reminded that, no, it's probably the vaccine. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, that's a reasonable thing for you to be concerned about because you are on the older side. You are 61 or two. Um, But I think think the other thing I was going to say really quickly was like, please don't take small micro doses of poison just to test your theory at home. (laughs) Disclaimer. 
<laughs> these, a disclaimer things, up right away. Yeah, these are things like you see in the movies, and none of the stuff you see in the movies is actually real. So, just like, <laughs> but I was going to say, um, also, I think part of it is like just recognize. So, some of that is like a lot of people in sort of kind of general, the general population, don't understand how vaccines work. So, having um, Heather explain that was a really important thing. It's like you're priming your immune system to sort of like recognize something and build like a workforce, like a little army that's going to attack it fully when it kind of comes into your system in a more um in a, in a more sort of like um demonstrable way i suppose <clears throat> so part of that is is like you know it's like getting the forces ready to you know you know to um you know it's like you know, just it's it's a, more like star wars remember how they like got ready to sort of fight the death star you know that kind of same thing so you know they mobilized forces for that um your immune systems works the same way so that's that's a really important thing and the the response that you're feeling because people have different sort of like i think it's important to amplify this specific sort of um you know thing that heather was talking about is like not not like even within your family you all do, you share dna and you share some other things including <laughs> including the covid virus if you're living in the same home household but i think the things that are important is like you all have your own sort of like biological thing going on inside your body and there's a lot of things that contribute to whether or not you're going to be more vulnerable to a foreign agent that comes into your body than your mom or your dad or your nieces and your nephews or your children or your husband your wife those are just things that you you know you can't we're not all carbon copies of each other and come with the same set of you know um resources biologically so part of that is just recognizing that and so somebody else is going to have a different reaction just a little tiny bit of a different reaction that doesn't mean that it's not working for you or their 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 thing is caused by that virus vaccine and you're you're just fine like right there's no evidence of that some of it is just understanding like we all have our bodies work the same generally in terms of like creating a biological and immune response the structure of the capacity is different. What actually ends up happening in some situations is that that changes based on any kind of other conditions that you might have. If you have immunocompromised um, uh, challenges, like you have HIV, you're under cancer treatment, you have um, rheumatoid arthritis, things that quite really challenge your immune system to be able to create that workforce that responds to a foreign agent. You will have a different response to the vaccine than other people who don't have those conditions. In that specific situation, it's really important that you're having conversations with your primary care doctor mm -hmm. about like what is okay for you to do, what is your alternative, like weigh all of the information and make a really good decision with the information and with the counsel of somebody who understands that well. And you will be in good space, I think, if you do that. Sorry. Go ahead, Haley. Um, yeah, so we're talking about, you know, just the effects of the vaccines here. Um, so what is it that the body is recognizing that's foreign if the vaccines in, that are authorized in the United States don't contain the live virus? So the vaccines, uh, our COVID vaccines are mRNA vaccines. So um, what it is, is mRNA is messenger RNA. Um, and basically, it's like, it's like a recipe. So like that little recipe um, 
of the COVID virus. So sorry, not the virus itself, but like a little piece of that messenger RNA um, is what is contained in the vaccine. And then that gets into the cells. So it basically like provides the recipe for um, what we call antigens. Um, so it provides like that, like framework a little bit, or like the, the, your cells then can, can look at that recipe and say, oh, okay, I, I see what I see this. And now I can make that little, you know, um, the, the forces that will help protect my cells if I come in contact with the virus itself. So there's no actual virus in the vaccines it's just basically like here's a little clip um or here's a recipe to follow in order to get your body ready if you come in contact okay to, to prepare yeah. those forces if that, that makes, makes sense. one way of thinking of it is it contains information that your that your cells would use to create the the ability for your cells to recognize in the actual biological material enters your body, they'd be like, oh, we recognize that thing. Let's move the battalions forward and make sure we're like killing this thing. It's basically like our RNA and DNA are like information systems within your body that transmit helpful information. Helps you to sort of regulate your system. And, and like, would be a really good idea to have a biologist on this. <laughs> yeah. Some other COVID-19 treatment, treatment myths here that I want to mention quickly. Um, so antibiotics. Um, I know, Dega, I'm not sure if what you took was an antibiotic when you had um, your bit of COVID here the first time. But antibiotics um, kill bacteria, uh, not viruses. However, people hospitalized due to COVID-19 might be given antibiotics because they also have developed a bacterial infection. Wow. Well, Dr. Stately, you, uh, we talked about in the first yeah, segment. That's a good, how, that's uh, good theory, so. Dr. Stately, we talked in the first segment how you uh, analyzed my sickness uh, by dropping off a reef a uh, hundred feet or 20 feet away and uh, realized I had COVID before I did. And and also, uh, I'm the miracle which was, worker, which was yeah. amazing because Wendy <laughs> is a, a pharmacist too. And we both looked at each other and go, we didn't even think of that. Uh, and then, and then you talking about that drug in the first segment too, that I took that really helped me. Yeah. I mean, some of that was just basically quite honestly, just common sense. I asked you a few set of questions, like, how are you feeling? What are you experiencing? And it's turned out that it was a lot like what I had just experienced myself because I had COVID a few weeks before you. And I was like, yeah. I don't know. That sounds really like exactly like what happened to me in a lot of ways. I think you should take a COVID test. And we're so, like, huh? I was a little bit surprised that it was like you test you text me like while I was driving home from your house. <laughs> like I'm positive. I was like, oh gosh. No, you really, said I'm I really told glad you. I stood far away from you. Oh yeah, I did. I said, you yeah, said I told you. <laughs> but then uh, the drunk, uh, the the drug again was uh, that I took. Yeah, that was amazing. And um, along with my vaccines, Heather, and and taking that, mm -hmm. I know some people. I ended up having a side effect where 
once I was done with it, I kind of didn't have COVID, but I had really cold symptoms for uh, about four or five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Paxlovid, it's, it's an antiviral, uh, which is different from an antibiotic. Um, so it's really just like preventing further replication of the virus in your system. So I feel like, you know, it kind of like tamps down, you know, it's preventing like this big response or like this big production of, of COVID in your system. Um, antibiotics, which, um, are helpful if you have bacterial infection, are not going to be effective against COVID because COVID is a virus. Um, but it's also like if your whole immune system is, you know, working really hard because you have COVID um, or you are, you know, at high risk of other type of respiratory infections, um, it it's probably not all that uncommon to like have COVID or be at risk for pneumonia or, or have pneumonia or something like that, in which case antibiotics would be helpful. You know, and I really like this conversation and Heather, uh, you might not know this, but Dr. Stately had COVID before the vaccines were out and was hospitalized. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of joke around a little bit, but we don't take this lightly that we do have, uh, vaccines now and, um, things to really help us where we didn't. Right, Dr. Stately? It was yeah. Like yeah. And actually, while I was in the hospital, I was treated with for both um, COVID and then I also had pneumonia. <clears throat> and I, I've been living with HIV for about 38 years. So I was kind of like, a, I was in that little bit more of a vulnerable, like, um, bracket of individuals. And so one of the things that they did was they put me on both. They put me on a, on a, on a powerful, <clears throat> like I'm allergic to sulfas, so I can't use like that really, like the sulfas that they typically use for things like pneumonia and stuff. They had me on something else and they had me on the experimental drug because it hadn't been passed yet. Like it was mm-hmm. just sort of like they were giving, you know, I jokingly, my, by the way, I don't think I remember, did I ever tell you this, that my doctor's name while I was in the hospital was Dr. Frankenstein? Frank, no. It was, he, he pronounced it differently, but, but Frankenstein or something like that. And I was like, are you really the other guy? Yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah. And I was like, are you really the other guy? And he's like, and at least I had a good, I had a good, you know, sense of humor about the whole thing. I was like, you mean that Mel Brooks movie? That Mel Brooks <laughs> that, movie you're talking about? Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was so like he was a great infectious disease doctor because like he meant helped me like he helped me me he talked with me is like you have HIV he goes by the way you also have diabetes did you know that and I said no and I found that out while I was in the hospital so I had like all these things like I had like the the list of like risk factors <laughs> that we typically talk about is like I just had them stacking up like you know in the hospital I was like and he's like you know. And I did say to him, like, am I going to get out of here? He goes, we're working hard to get you out of here. And I said, yeah, just don't let me leave with those little green things on the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they had me on, like, yeah, they had me on really powerful antivirals. At the same time, they were on the antivirals because I had both conditions. I was pretty ill. Very, very ill, actually. So. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, so I think those, I mean, I think those concerns that our people in our community have are very real, and I don't mean to make light of them, but it's like some of them are just, you know, completely manufactured out of the, uh, out of the, out of the dark, right? A little bit like, I think, uh, I think some of this also has to do, this is just my perspective. I think some of it has to do with like, when you don't know, you don't have a lot of information and you don't know a lot about a, sub a subject, like when you, when there's a lack of knowledge or understanding or awareness, there's a big, big, huge chasm that is, can be filled with like all kinds of like, just, you know, backyard <laughs> conversations about, you know, pseudoscience and stuff that make people anxious and scared. Um, so it, the best thing we can do is doing what we're doing today, which is just giving information. I think people can make great decisions about their health and their well-being and their and their safety when you're giving them really good, solid information about that has been tested and um, over the course of several several clinical trials and those kinds of things. You just give people information they can make good decisions. Yeah. And, and, and I... I, right. Yeah. Like, I think it's not it's not necessarily that like these concerns are coming out of the dark. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of trust issues when it's like, oh, the yeah. government is telling me to do this. Well, well, you know, I don't know many Native people who trust the government. Yeah. Uh, but right. It, it is having those conversations and getting reliable information. You know, a, a Google search is probably not the most reliable information that you're yeah. going to get. Um, you know, but having like a trust or others. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Facebook. Oh, um, yeah. cause everybody, yeah, you can share whatever you want. So, um, but yeah, having like trusted resources, reliable resources, um, and just getting like good, good information from people who do care about you and, and that you trust is important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why it's so important that we're talking to you. We're, we're talking to two doctors, really. Uh, you're a doctor in, in farm medicine and uh, Heather and Dr. Stately is just, you know, again, he uh, recognized that I had COVID from 10 feet away. It, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, oh, I'll never forget that it was because again, Wendy and I uh, uh, looked at each other and didn't even think of it because this was the first time that I had COVID and I'd been out. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, George Floyd, uh, when the first day of the protest of George Floyd's murder, there was no vaccine and there was 10,000 people there. And I had a cloth mask and we find out later on that cloth masks aren't very good I mean, I had a cool native design on it. I looked, I looked rugged, but other than that, you know, I was lucky to get out of there without having COVID because people, I think the big thing was a mask and being six feet away from people. Yeah. And I was in some of those protests too. And like after that, and there's no way to be six feet away from anybody in some of those conditions. So I think in those conditions, we were really lucky that we maybe not get it, but <clears throat> I think we have so many other things now. We have more information, more understanding about it. We have more tools in our, in our toolbox to address it. There's, we can do a better job in our community and in our families and, and, and quite frankly, in, you know, in, in our nation to responding to it. A lot of the things that are preventing us, like the reason we're seeing some of this uptick is that we've gotten, you know, we're a little bit COVID, um, um, what's it called? Uh, COVID um, 
exhausted, weary. Yeah. weary. Yes, it's just been beating us down for a few years. And, and I think also, like, you know, we did a few victory laps, celebratory laps, like, oh, COVID is over, you know, because we're seeing a dip in deaths and dip in infections. And the thing about, like, I keep reminding people is that it's a virus. Viruses mutate. Almost all viruses mutate. Most the majority of them do. And they're, this one is particularly stealthy. So it's kind of like, we're going to always have to be a little bit on our, on our, you know, just keep it in our awareness. Try to keep it not maybe not right in the front of our, but like next to the front of our brain, so we can remember yeah. to like address it with the tools that we have. We developed a lot of tools for it. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it kind of like a, the flu shot. Like it seems like uh, we might be having like yearly. Sorry, I got some uh, background noise here, but. <laughs> um, Right. But like every, like we tell people to get their flu shot every year. I think it's going to most likely be similar to yeah. that. Like just every fall. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Your Haley, sons Haley. sound exactly like mine when they come home from hockey, by the way. <laughs> I'm for a snack, I think. Well, I kind of, I kind of sound that way when I'm hungry, but that's another story <laughs> and another show. Haley, who do we have with us again? I know, uh, yeah, others got to get going here. So, but uh, let's let's read some of her bio because this has been really uh, a great conversation. Yeah, and- thank you. Yep, Heather, thank you so much again, Peeny Geeky, for joining us um, during this vaccination segment of our conversation. Again, uh, we're with Heather Miracle Fahey, PharmD class of 2009 Mohawk, and she is a certified clinical pharmacist with M Health Fairview. And additionally, Heather is the acting secretary on the board of directors for Indian Health Board Clinic in Minneapolis. Heather, before we let you go and uh, uh, tell your kids or what's up and what's happening. Um, any last uh, last words about this? Uh, we've really appreciated uh, your and Dr. Stately's conversation about this. Yeah, well, you know, not Niawe for having me. Um, I, I think it's important, like you said, to just keep talking about it and to get some good, reliable information um, out to community. Um, yeah, and I, I think, you know, if there's questions, like I'm always happy to take questions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm around, I'm at powwows and, um, showing up in community at different places. So mm-hmm. always happy to just field whatever questions people have. Dr. Stately, any last comments before we let Heather go? No, I think it was a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. It's good to see you again. <laughs> good right to on. see you too. Yeah, All right. right on. Well, let's uh, take a break here and, uh, we'll come back with Dr. Stately and, and, uh, talk some more about this uh covid and where we're at now and how far we've come you are listening to a covid conversation um here in indian country and this is native roots radio we'll be right back Hey, 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 hey,
Hey, uh, welcome back. This is Native Brits Radio presents a COVID-19 conversation here in Indian country. And I'm here with uh, Haley Cherry and her co-host, uh, Dr. Stately. We had a really nice conversation with our our favorite Native uh, pharmacist, uh, Heather. And uh, now we're going to kind of wrap it up here in this last segment and talk about you know, uh, a, a lot of things, you know, uh, mental health, how that fits in this, which is really huge. And uh, I, I just want to welcome you back, Dr. Stately and Haley. And uh, this has been a, a really great conversation. Thank you. It's nice to be with you all today. Yeah. So, Haley, uh, we we want to circle back, correct, on, uh, on our conversation here and ended up on uh, Let's talk about a, a few of these things. Yeah. So just before the break, we were talking a lot about uh, debunking myths and certain uh, facts around vaccinations. Um, but this uh, this has been a global pandemic that has been ongoing for, you know, we're going on the fourth year. Um, and I'm not sure if it's described as a pandemic, but COVID is still a, a real thing and it's affected us in, in many different ways. Um, so we know it can be stressful to experience COVID and all the challenges that that may result from it. So um, if you're having any kind of mental health crises uh, from this or just need to talk to someone, um, please reach out, you know, to these resources. Um, We have some really great resources coming up, Uh, you know, always um, if it's an immediate medical uh, experience, please call 911. Um, But for free confidential support, you can always call or text 988 to reach the National uh, Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And that lifeline is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they also have a lifeline chat that is available in English or Spanish. And services are also available for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. Yeah, really good uh, points. And I, I think one of the, the things that I'd really like to talk to you specifically about, Dr. Stately, is like, you know how this uh, really fits in uh, mental uh, mental health and mental uh, stability. Uh, having COVID, possibly having COVID, going through this uh, pandemic, all those things, uh, all that big ingredients of um, depression and things like that. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. I think one of the things that stands out is um, just this. You know, so it is exhausting that we are entering into our fourth year of this epidemic or pandemic. Um, and that, um, you know, the scale of loss for our community is so large. Like we, you can look at data um, all the way back um, to the beginning of the pandemic and just thinking just from the Minnesota data specifically, because this is where we're at is um and this is where i work and it's the community i work in is like we have lost so many people to the pandemic you know all across you know from young ones all the way into our elders we've lost so many of our elders you know and thinking like um the impact that that has had on our community and our families and our individuals um is you know um you know demonstrable and think about like the people when you lose so many people who are elders in our communities like i remember being in conversations with um, people in healthcare leadership. Um, I'm on this thing called the tribal health leadership um, um, for the state of Minnesota and advisory body of the state. And we meet regularly and we meet quarterly. And especially during the pandemic, we were meeting like every other week, really. 
to try and strategize on ways to sort of manage it. So one of the things that was really um, a topic, a high topic of conversation was the scale of loss we were having. Losing people who elders first speakers, people were like anxious about like, you know, we're losing all of our first uh, language, um, you know, speakers, we're losing our cultural resources. These are things that have been really challenging for our communities. And so in a lot of ways, you know, it pulls on that thread of historical trauma that we've experienced as communities of uh, native communities across the Turtle Island for the last, you know, several hundred years. Mm -hmm. And those conditions, you know, um, get triggered, those experiences of us and our emotions, our psychological responses get triggered by something of this scale. So here we are four years into this and, you know, we've lost a lot of people. We've, you know, we have family members who either succumb to either COVID or they succumb to one of their more chronic health conditions because they maybe they weren't able to get into the hospital or they weren't to get, able to get in to see a provider for a couple of years. I have a cousin that I lost like rapidly. She, you know, it's coming up on her second year of her having passed away. My cousin Roxanne, who was a, you know, an avid, you know, vaccine resistor. Um, you know, she died from her liver cancer. Her liver cancer came back and she hadn't been able to go back and see her primary care doctor mm. during COVID, right? The she 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 passed away the year before that her husband passed away from his cancer so these are the kinds of things that like we are experiencing in our community it wasn't just like in, just not just dying from covid but you know the 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 scale of loss from other conditions you know we've seen a significant rise in other conditions in our communities like wow scale of houselessness the scale you know we are you know, this, the amount of people who had overdosed over the last um, couple of years because um, they weren't able to get into care. So those things are also present and that that is a heavy weight for anybody in tribal communities to carry around. Just the idea of like, gosh, my relative isn't here. Um, and then you got things like survivor guilt, like, well, why wow. me and not them? Or why them and not me, right? That kind of thing. And it's like, those are real things that we contend with and they weigh heavy on our hearts, heavy on our minds and make us more vulnerable to like depression, anxiety, you know, guilt, remorse, all those things that are those heavy emotions that we carry around that can really impact our ability to function in our families and our day-to-day -day life, make it hard to get up, go take care of like the things that we need to take care of. Um, so those are real conditions and, you know, important to note. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Haley, I'm uh, wondering if we could maybe talk a little bit and, and put out some numbers uh, for people listening or have uh, relatives that might need to reach out to have help. I'm wondering if we can get those numbers out there and websites and things. Yeah. So if anyone is dealing with um, just needing someone to talk to and would like a more culturally specific service, we recommend Strong Hearts Native Helpline. Um, you can learn more and chat online at strongheartshelpline.org. 
um, or you can call their hotline. Um, but specifically, I just wanted to put the website out because we know com computer use can be monitored and is impossible to completely clear. And this might be a concern for some of our relatives who may be experiencing domestic um, domestic or sexual abuse. So if you're afraid that your internet usage might be monitored, please reach out to Stronghearts Native Helpline at their number, which is one 844 Seven native, which is one eight four four seven six two eighty four eighty three, and some of their services that they provide include um, just helping, just providing a culturally um, someone who knows about the culture and and what generational trauma is, and they provide uh, peer support and and advocacy. Um, as well as information and ed education about domestic violence and sexual assault, uh, personalized safety planning, crisis intervention, uh, basic information about health office uh, health options. Um, again, Stronghearts Native Helplines number is one eight four four seven six two eighty four eighty three one eight four four seven six two Native. Absolutely. That's uh, so, so important. And thank you for getting those numbers out there because we always talk about uh, what's the call to action. So great to bring those uh, numbers into the, uh, into the conversation, Haley. Yeah. And, and, and they're 24-7, uh, so you can call them, call or text or chat online um, any time of the day, the night. And they have advocates all over Turtle Island, um, many advocates. So I know some of us worry about privacy um, yeah. in conversation. So you never have to worry about, you know, um, who is this going to get around to? Is this going to get around to one of my relatives? So right. Stronghearts Native Helpline is a really great resource for us in uh in the native community for more specific care. Um, but kind of to wrap up our, our conversation here, we're going into the holidays season and uh, it's really important to just uh, know that to test. And if you have symptoms to test before you're in large groups, especially around your elders or your family. Um, so how do we treat this? How do we keep people safe? Um, what are some ways that you too are going to protect yourself and others going into the holiday season? Wow, that's a great question. I, I'd like to hear what Dr. Stately has to say so I can copy what he does um, because I, <laughs> I, I haven't really thought about it. But that's a great, mm. great question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Um, Stately. I, <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things I'll do is I'll keep like, you know, I have a couple of family members who are fairly vulnerable, like my grandma's, you know, she's 81, 83 years old, something like that. And she's got some lung conditions. So I'll do things like not visit her and, you know, and um, especially if I'm not feeling well, if I do go visit her, I might wear a mask. Um, if I drop off food, I'll drop it off at the door. And, you know, she doesn't need to see me in person to know that I love her and care about her. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, um, I'll do those kinds of things. I'll keep like any gatherings that I have there's um, small and sort of like very insular. I do have a wedding that I have to go to on the day after Christmas. My, my um, kids is, um, aunt is getting married and um, we would go back to South Dakota for that um, mm -hmm. ceremony, but I'll be really cautious and, you know, want to make sure that I don't bring anything back. I'm going by myself and with um, another individual. So, um, and I'll be really cautious about like, you know, if it's, there's a lot of people and it's tight and it's all wear a mask. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I guess I can say ditto, but uh, um 
you know, just to make sure everyone's protecting themselves. And of course, if uh, we or Wendy or I feel uh, under the weather and it's in, it, to really let people know and uh, that we love them and that we won't be meeting for the holidays. So I think to have that in the forefront and have a, a game plan, um, because we don't want to get other people sick. Uh, they're vulnerable for all sorts of reasons. And again, I, uh, I did not get COVID and did not get sick. Uh, and, uh, I, and surprisingly in my mind, I got it. So I think anyone can catch it on any way. And I, I just want to say that. And, and also it was really interesting, Dr. Stately, Wendy didn't get it. And I mean, I accidentally drank on her, uh, min- mineral water a couple times and I had Kleenexes all over the place. So it's, it's tricky. Um, too so you have to stay vigilant and i'm glad she didn't get it yeah i mean i think those are the things we talked about this before is like just you know like you we cannot count on like you know it's possibly luck you know so it's like you know there's just a number of things that you got to be thoughtful about you just don't know so i think exercising caution and good decision making and erring on the side of being more cautious than not is a good thing especially if you're like sharing space with people who are older who Mm -hmm. are immunocompromised who are very young who can't like get the vaccine or who can't like you know, there are other things also that are going on. So I just think the other thing is to make sure that people understand that it's like you, we have COVID. We also have like a flu outbreak. We also have RSV. All of these things, actually, by the way, we have vaccines for now. Just mm-hmm. so also to amplify that you can get a, you can get a flu shot. You can also get an RSV vaccine for people who are very vulnerable. And that's really important because those are all lung conditions. If you get all three of them at the same time, that's going to be yeah. a challenge for you. So, yeah. um, just doing things like you can, you know, it does not take a lot of work and it, um, it might not look really cool to like right. wear a mask on your face anymore. Like, you know, it's like, um, but, but I see it in the community. I see people wearing masks. I was at a play last night. Also one mm-hmm. thing, Dr. Stately, I want to bring up here in the last uh, waning minutes of this great conversation we've had today is, you know, I had sanitizer everywhere when COVID first came out. And that's one thing that I could do better in the holidays and just every day is sanitize my hands, make sure places are clean that people mm-hmm. come to and surfaces. Yeah. There's just like really simple things you can do to, to mitigate and, and lower the risk that you're going to transmit or acquire the virus. So that's really important is that we remember those things and we reactivate those things. And um, I haven't went out and bought any sanitizer recently, but do you remember like a year ago, it was like 25 cents for a bottle of vaccine for <laughs> for sanitizer in some places. It's like, well, I'm probably back up to like three bucks a bottle now. Right. So, yeah. Well, I think I have some left over. I don't think it, uh, uh, I just haven't been physically putting it on. I, you know, I think our nations, mm-hmm. uh, tribal nations were really huge and, uh, handing out these kits, especially before mm-hmm. the vaccines. 
you weren't hoarding it, were you? Like that toilet paper guy? Well, a little bit. <laughs> with my 500 t-shirts um, that Whitney <laughs> complains about all the time. But yeah. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, just going into the, the holiday season again, you know, it's very important to monitor any symptoms. Um, people you've been in close contact with, anyone who's sick um, is showing symptoms. Keep uh, distance between yourself and others when you're in, in indoor spaces, especially with uh Poor airflow or ventilation. Again, mm-hmm. wash your hands with uh, soap and water for at least 20 seconds. You know, not just a little quick rinse off with some water. We know water oh. is life, but soap <laughs> actually is uh, disinfecting. So whether that's sanitizing, um, at least uh, make sure to use sanitizer that um, has at least 60% alcohol in it. Yeah, I see a T-shirt again. Say that again. I Haley. do see a T-shirt. Like, yeah. Um, wear a mask, a uh, face mask in indoor public spaces. You know, if you're uh, around a, a number of high people that's been exposed to COVID-19, especially people who work in hospitals, uh, wear your mask, wear the right mask. Uh, we just want everyone in our community and, and, and outside of our community to, to uh, be safe this holiday season. Enjoy themselves. For sure. For sure. I want to amplify that message because it's really important. Like the number of people who are dying now in the state of Minnesota, the majority of them, like 90, 95% of them, maybe higher, is like people who are over the age of 65. And Mm. Native people are leading leading the numbers in the state of Minnesota on the number of deaths, severe hospitalizations Mm -hmm. and deaths for COVID. And I want to remind people, like, these are our culture bearers. These are the people that know our stories, that know our language, that know our medicines and things. Let's protect them because we have a responsibility to protect them, so that their their knowledge and their wisdom and theirs uh, and that and that 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 secret sauce that they hold about being an indigenous person is something important to preserve for our children and for the next seven generations. We have a responsibility to protect that over yes. anything else. So. Yep. Wow. Be a good relative and protect others. Yeah, really uh, great information. And thank you so much for uh, speaking on this, uh, Dr. Stately. This has been a really, uh, you know, I hope everyone's listened to this because it's really a great, great reminder. And, you know, we all need to be reminded of this and uh, uh, keep everybody safe. Like Dr. Staten said, uh, great job, Haley, uh, our producer. I just want to give a big shout out. And uh, we, uh, Dr. Stately, thank you so much. And I want to give a big shout out to Heather for coming in and talking about the myths and stuff. Uh, please, uh, I think maybe one last time before we leave, maybe a quick helpline. Uh, uh, throw that out there again to our listeners. Yes, this well, this COVID-19 symposium was brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. To learn more and stay up to date with the most recent COVID and vaccine news, please visit health.state.mn.us. That's health.state.mn.us. And thank you. Everyone stay safe out there. Thank you so much for co-hosting this, Dr. Stately. Absolutely. Gig Wapman. Right on. And Pinigigi Haley for all your uh, work here on this great symposium. We'll be we'll be uh, listening to Native Roots Radio weekdays at uh, five o'clock Central Time on all your uh, podcasts. Uh, and we're still here. We are the seventh generation. <laughs> <laughs>